Welcome to Removing the Veil podcast. This is our Bible study edition designed to walk alongside of you as you study and meditate upon God's Word. We are beginning in the book of Philippians today, so grab your Bible, your pen, paper, coffee, and let's dive into God's Holy Word. Uh, If you would, open your Bible to Philippians chapter 1 and read along with me beginning in verse 1. It starts, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. We are, as I said, beginning our study in the book of Philippians today. And it's interesting and very appropriate, given the things we see going on in the world. And one of the major problems that uh, we find people suffering with today is the problem of identity, whether it be from trying to find your identity from a spouse or a job or being a parent, all the way to what is being promoted today with the the sexual identity serving as one's overall identity, whatever it may be, what we find today is that everyone is looking for identity. They're, They're looking for, from that foundation of identity, they're looking for a place to find value. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for Uh, some sense of belonging and fulfillment and satisfaction. And so we're seeing that in the lost world, and we're also seeing that, unfortunately, in the church today, uh, because Christians are not immune from this. And unfortunately, many Christians fall into the same trap as unbelievers in that they try to find their identity in other things rather than in Jesus alone. And I want you to pause for just a moment as we begin this Bible study, and I want you to kind of ask this question, or really just answer this question I'm going to pose to you, and really think about these things this morning as you begin uh, your Bible study. If someone were to ask you today to describe or even define who you are, you know, it's that dreaded interview question uh, when you're sitting across from a complete stranger and they ask you, who are you? You know, tell me about yourself. In essence, what they're asking you is, what is your identity? Who are you? And so I want you to just think for a moment and just pause and Ask yourself, if you were going to answer that question, what would your answer be? If I were to ask you, what is your identity? How would you respond to that? What what would you say to that question? In essence, how would you define yourself? Who are you? Now, maybe you would answer the question along the lines of, of maybe your job. Like you would say, 
I'm a banker or a plumber or a mechanic or I work at such and such a place or I do this for a living. People do that in response to this question. Or maybe you would say that, you know, I'm, I'm a mom or I'm a dad or I'm a husband or a wife. Or maybe you would answer it relationally, that your identity is founded mostly in a relational aspect of your being. Or maybe even you would define it and describe your identity as uh, talking about your interests or your hobbies or things you like or things you've done or maybe even the places you've gone. And while all of these things are good in their own right, they fall tragically short of the reality of what God has planned and willed for you to be in Christ Jesus. As Paul is writing to the believers here in Philippi, we find that he provides three different qualities, if you will, concerning our identity in Jesus. Now, remember, as we go through this study, as Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi, remember, he is writing this from prison. And understanding this this aspect that he is writing this while he's in prison, and he's not, remember, in this day and time, Prison wasn't like what we have today where he's got, you know, a full workout area and, and a meal, three-course meal, a square meal each day, and he's watching TV and he's socializing and learning. And the prison wasn't like that in that day. So Paul is writing these things from prison. And so understanding this adds uh, weight to the great things found, not just here from the beginning 11 verses that we've read, but really throughout this whole epistle. So just kind of keep that in in the back of your mind as we study this over the coming days and weeks, that Paul is writing this from prison. So he gives us these qualities, these quantifiers in terms of helping us define really what it means to be a Christian. What is your identity in Christ now that you are saved, that you are now in him and he is in you? So if you would look back with me in verse 1. Notice and, and underline these things when we get there. Paul and Timothy, bondservants. So underline that word, bondservants. Bondservants of Jesus Christ. So that helps us understand what that word means. This word bondservants uh, means slave. It literally means that you are someone who belongs to another, a bond slave, without any ownership of or rights of your own being. 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells us that, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So we see here right off the bat that the reality and the truth that if you are a Christian, your life is not your own, that you belong to Jesus, that you belong to the Lord of glory. And this is the first aspect concerning your new identity in him, that you are his bondservant. You belong to him. He purchased you. Now ask yourself, what are the ramifications and consequences of this truth? And along the same lines of that, as you answer that question, ask yourself next, how should this truth direct your actions, your words, your responsibilities, really, throughout this day and every day after? How does this truth that you are a bondservant, that part of your identity now being in Christ is that you are his, that you belong to him, that your life is his, for him to direct, for him to lead and guide that we are to do his will. How does that change your mindset? How does that change your day? First and foremost, identity. You are now a bondservant of Jesus Christ because he purchased you with his own blood. Secondly, notice after he says that, verse one, to all the saints, underline that second word, saints in Christ Jesus. So it was bondservants of Christ Jesus. Now it's saints in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi with bishops and deacons. And he gives that subset, bishops and deacons. We're not going to get into that. But notice the second quantifier here. 
that you are now a saint in Christ. Now, what does it mean to be a saint? Well, saint simply means that you're holy, that you are now set apart, that not only are you a bondservant, that your life is not your own, but now our lives are to be different from the lives of those who identify with this world. And now remember, there's two aspects of holiness. There's the aspect of being set apart, being different from, and there's a second aspect of moral purity. And so we put those two truths together when he says here, you're a saint in Christ Jesus, that now you are to be living set apart from this world and morally pure in it. So we live differently than the world around us while maintaining this moral purity before God and man. And the main area that I want to highlight is this, is that we are to be different, especially. Now, there's a lot of areas in our lives that we are to be different, but I want to focus specifically on this, and it's a problem area for a lot of people, and it's the area of your mind, the area of your mind. If you write down Romans 12, verse 2, Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, we are to be cultivating a mind and a mindset that uh, after that of Jesus, a mind in which purity and humility and love, all these things are inside of our minds. Later in Philippians, we'll look about what we do about uh, when bad thoughts come in or you know, fearful thoughts or impure thoughts. But for now, we are exhorted to have this mind of Christ. And that's partly of what it means to be holy in this world. And in conjunction with the exhortation in Romans 12, 2. And it's interesting, Romans 12, 1 covers the bondservant part, presenting yourselves holy and blameless before God, a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 2 falls in line with the second aspect, that you're now a saint, that you're to be set apart and living morally pure in this world. So combine those two truths this morning as you consider your identity in Christ. Finally, number three, notice, and this is kind of split up, so bear with me. Notice, we'll just go through this a little bit. Look at verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always and in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. So underline that phrase, fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And if you hop down to verse 7, at the very end of verse 7, you'll see it also says partakers with me of grace. And so we'll combine those two truths into this one word, which is that of companion, that you are now a companion, which is to say that you are now a part of the body of Jesus Christ, which we define as the church. And notice here the role that we have in this church, this privilege that we have, and really these responsibilities that we have as being members of the body of Jesus. Paul began, first of all, saying, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, that we're to be thinking of one another. And by thinking upon one another, that should necessarily lead us into praying for one another. You see, you and I, as Christians, are part of God's kingdom. We're a part of his community of people, his community of children. We're a part of this church. And as a member of this church, we should be praying for one another. We should be thinking about one another. We should be considering one another throughout our days. Because we fellowship, we have this common bond in the gospel. We are partakers. That is to say, we're companions of grace together, the same grace, the same faith. We all partakers of the same gospel Verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So we have hope in Christ. We share in this same hope because of Jesus and the work that he is doing, that he is faithful. He's the faithful one. Even when we are weak and when we feel faithless, he remains faithful. Verse 7, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart 
inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Notice Paul is in prison and he's not singing a woe is me song. He's thinking upon the church, the people, his brothers and sisters in Christ in Philippi, and he's praying for them. And he's longing to worship with them and to fellowship with them. And we have to ask ourselves, do we do the same with our brothers and sisters in the local church? Do we do the same? We continue. He says, For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So as a member of this church, notice, as you've been taking note of these things, we've gone through it, notice we should be a fellowshipping people. We should be a, a people who gather together, not forsaking the gathering together of ourselves, fellowshipping in the gospel. We should be a praying people, verse 4. We should be a growing people, specifically growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. He says here in verse 9, growing in the knowledge in all discernment. That's the exercising of that knowledge, discerning the spirits, testing the spirits, not just accepting everything at face value. And we should be abounding in love, that we should be growing in love for one another. And we can't do that separated. We can't do that. We have to be together, bound by the spirit, that same spirit of love, growing with one another. And so given these truths that everyone who is in Jesus by faith, and he is in them, and every Christian you now identify as a bondservant, as a saint, and as a companion, that is to say, a part of his church. That is your identity. That is your value. That's your purpose. So now if someone asks you your identity, if you are a Christian, you know exactly what to say. Continue to study. Continue to pray. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you next time. God bless. Mm-hmm.